0: This is Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From the UK, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from New Zealand is Dave Wood. Uh, would you want to start with the the uh, the FaceTime bug? <laughs>
1: FaceTime bug, I reckon. Yeah,
0: that was a bug, eh? That
1: really was.
0: There are bugs, and then <laughs> and then there's that. Fly me. Um, so that
1: that dropped, if you like, the the announcement for that all the wave of announcements that sort of came from people tweeting and everything else that dropped in the middle of the day for me.
0: Um oh, right, yeah.
1: And yeah, so I was I was sat in work and I thought, right, okay, let's let's give this a test. And so I hadn't actually messaged ahead to say what on earth I was up to and my poor son was was really confused as to why his dad was trying to FaceTime him out of the blue. <laughs> 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 and then when I messaged and sent him a link to um, there was um, I think it was a Matt Rumors article up by that point uh, or something like that, I sent him a link to explain and um, you know it, we couldn't actually get it working when when we tried to sort of get that, that going like that, uh, but a couple of people I worked with did um, they then, did? yeah they were listening to each other from across the, the office oh huh. Yeah, uh, I think Apple moved quite quickly to to block it out. And I think if you were, depending on what um, OS or update you were running, I think the block on it group calls and that side of stuff came in um, perhaps quicker for some than others.
0: I think they disabled it at server level, didn't they? I think they turned off the group FaceTime servers. Right. Yeah. So I don't know whether like different versions of the OS maybe. I, you know, propagation... Because it wouldn't just be one server they turn off, would it? Surely it's got... No. It must be like a CDN at play and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, and, and equally it might have depended on on um, which update you had as to whether you could even run group FaceTime. And that might have been it as well, because I suspect my lad hadn't actually updated his device
0: in a while. I don't know. What what it kind of highlight. I was listening to the talk show this morning and... One thing um, Gruber mentioned, which I thought was quite an interesting thought, and I'll be interested to see what you thought about it, um, was he asked, do you think Apple is more buggy now than it was? And I couldn't come up with a decent answer in the time I had when I was out, um, I was driving at the time. And yeah, I, I, don't, I just don't know what your take on it was. I thought it'd be interesting to see what more you thought buggy it.
1: Than it. than it was. So... Picking that apart a little bit, I think you've got to take into account that Apple's scale is different each each year. In some ways, that, that passes by in terms of user base and everything that they're supporting. You know, they're adding to their services every every year. So it's quite a difficult one to compare because there's an element here where, like, um, a bug that may only affect a very very small percentage of people. Suddenly has the ability to actually be a large number of people if you get me mm mm-hmm. so like, yeah, that that point one of of your user base or whatever at one point may have been a hundred thousand people is now five hundred thousand people for for instance um so yeah it's tricky, and I also think that the way things are reported and talked about online also has a bit of an, an amplification on any potential problem that there may be so it's kind of hard to feel out but I do feel like this last year has been problematic for Apple just in terms of the type of bug that they've been having has actually been quite rough you know I mean that the FaceTime bug is a really bad one to have yeah any way you cut it the the idea that somebody can sort of miscall you effectively and then be listening in Mm -hmm. is, is is not cool and, you know, the fact is I use this as a communication method with my kids. If they need need anything from me while I'm out during the day or whatever, then they know they can always reach me through iMessage or FaceTime. Uh, I don't think my, my lad would even think to call me the regular kind of way using my telephone number as, as a first try. You know, he would go for FaceTime straight up. So... Yeah, that as a bug itself is is a big deal and the type of bug that it is. And then we also had the root bug on macOS a few months back as well.
0: I forgot about
1: that. that. Massive big deal, massively a big deal. I mean, it was fixed pretty quick. But if you imagine what that has meant for um, sysadmins and people who are looking after sort of large fleets of Macs, Um, a good example would be in a school, you know, where as soon as your user base in that environment gets hold of the idea that they can just take admin, then, you know, all hell could break loose. Uh, it's a big deal. The fact that they've they've addressed it pretty promptly and they've addressed these things pretty strongly, I think, as well, overall, you know, it's like they've not tried to sort of hide and, and, and say, this is not a bug, certainly not with the FaceTime one. They were on that really quick. I can't actually remember how they handled the, the root bug at the time, but um, that that thats one side, you know, they can be as quick as they like, but the the type of bug itself is serious, really quite serious. Um, So, uh, yeah, I don't know whether they're more or less buggy than they were as a whole, but the type of bugs have been quite bad in the last year, I think.
0: Yeah. I think also the the FaceTime bug was, I think, the way it was reported, I think the person who reported it... um, went through the security channels, Apple's security channels, and then kind of got told to file a radar, which wow. you know, in, okay. in terms of process, that that just seems like an an odd an odd process to have had. But yeah. then, again, going back to what you were saying about the scale at which Apple operate, you imagine like the signal to noise that that security team must have to deal with. So there must be a lot of noise that comes through and actually being able to pull the signal out, obviously this the person reporting this FaceTime bug, that was the signal versus the noise, but it's um yeah, yeah. it must be tough. Um but I, I wonder whether there's a there's a process issue there that can be addressed as well. Um because if you to be told so. to file a radar and keep in mind yeah this person wasn't a developer. Um from what I can gather, um I think it was um a mother of a child, a mother of a child that um found the bug. And I think yeah. she was uh, like a, a lawyer or something. And so obviously good right. do at communication and yeah, then was told to file a radar. And of course you have to have a developer account. I think she even went as far as signing up for a developer account Wow! Um, to, to do that. Um, if I'm remembering the talk show I had from listening to it. Um, yeah. That, that just seems crazy to me that that, that was the case. I mean, I, I guess cause most people would have just been like, yeah, you know what? Oh, I can't be bothered kind of thing. And you know, I'm not jumping for all those hoops, so I guess we've got to be grateful that, that that was the case. But, yeah, I'm slightly worrying that the response was fire a radar. And, you know, as developers, you kind of know when you fire a radar, that's never guaranteed to do anything anyway, so... No. Yeah.
1: It definitely sounds to me like they've got some process issues to sort of shore up and, and figure out. I mean, like, the what's happened there is that turns it into effectively a... a a zero day for no good reason, right? The, the, when that broke, the bug is present. It's on everybody's machines. There is not necessarily a a fix, even in progress. Mm. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Without knowing what's on Apple's side, you don't know what the, the, the score was there, whether they were hoping to just roll out the release that we're going to get next week and that that would, would just fix it. You know, that, it, that could have been the situation. Uh but in any case, the, the knowledge of the bug um, was was such that everybody could could kind of play with this in one way or another, and it was out there. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I feel like if they they had have known about the bug, they would perhaps have disabled group FaceTime earlier. So it's hard to say. Without being on the other side, you just just can't know. Uh, but process wise definitely sounds like they need to sort of fix a few things there and i think finding a radar should not be the answer to something that's a a security issue
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know i i I think maybe i come at it maybe with slightly more empathy than perhaps others would because my first thought when i when i sort of was reading this was like oh wow those those poor developers on the facetime team just imagine yep. that sinking feeling <laughs> that you get in your stomach when you realise, like, oh, dear Lord, what have we done, kind of thing.
1: Yeah, pit of your stomach. Oh, it's Tricky. horrible.
0: I mean, I've, I look back at kind of my development experiences and, yeah, they've, there's been some embarrassing bugs, but never really of severe consequence like this. Um, I don't think any of my bugs have ever been that consequential, probably just due to the nature of the projects I was working on. They were... Largely inconsequential anyway, in just terms of the project. So uh, you were never going to do much damage from a bug. But um, I remember there was a couple of times where you know, my SQL my SQL table got um, yeah, it disappeared. Let's say, and that yep. feeling of like, oh no, <laughs> that, I just yeah, I just felt really sorry for the for the team because at the end of the day, it's people, and that's what I always yep. come down to. It doesn't matter whether it's an Apple bug, a Google bug, a Facebook bug. If, if there's something like that, I if it's a genuine bug, like a genuine mistake versus, you know, like Facebook being creepy, I mean that's I would never put that down as being a bug. I would say that's kind of intent more than anything. Yep. Um But yeah, I always kind of just imagine that the developers sat there with their machine kind of head in hands being like, Oh no and I always yeah, you know, I always feel really bad for them. But maybe that's yeah. just me kind of coming at it from a developer's point of view. I don't know.
1: I, I don't know i'm coming at it from the same point of view there i think i was imagining how their weekend this weekend has probably sucked you know <laughs> because i can imagine that the uh the the need to have people sort of on deck and and checking things and working things is probably sp- going to run all the way from when the bug was reported all the way through to it being released yeah you know so so suddenly any plans you had will be out the window and it's it's everybody on it sort of thing and. Yeah, that, again, under that pressure, I think would be, yeah, quite a, a sucky environment to be in. Uh, until it's out the door and in, in the wild again, you know, and you can check off that everything is okay. Certainly for myself, when you've had that that sort of uh, oh my god, you know, we've got to fix this kind of moment with something that you're involved with with building. I don't actually feel settled until I know it's it's properly done. Done, you know, the fix is in production.
0: Yeah. And, and it's also another layer of pressure, I suppose, in that the thing that you're working on, that's a big part of your life is in the press. Yes. Um, I, I loaded up the BBC news app and it it was there on the front page. And I, I just couldn't even imagine like if one of my apps ended up on the front page of the BBC news app (laughs) because of some bug that I checked or something, you know, it must be extraordinary pressure as a developer. Um, and perhaps pressure that you wouldn't feel as a developer unless you're in that kind of that kind of role where your work is that kind of public. Um, yeah. So I guess when you sign up for these jobs, you can just imagine the job ad, you know, like write software that will impact millions of lives, that kind of thing. And it sounds really enticing. And then actually the, the flip side of that is that when, when you mess up, there's going to be millions of people that are potentially at, at risk um, yeah. from, from your errors, essentially. Um yeah, and, and I mean, a
1: whole I'm... a whole core of people as well, like um, out there, kind of rooting for Apple to fail as well. So it's, you know, as soon as something like this happens, everywhere kind of pulls it apart. It's, it's sort of you know, kind of Meet in front of the wolves kind of uh, situation in terms of those that just want to have a pop at Apple for whatever reason.
0: Yeah. So yeah. it definitely
1: pressurizes it.
0: Yeah, it's tough. Um,
1: yeah. I would say as well, though, it is definitely not just a, a developer issue here. It's, it's everything else. It's all the, way f- all the way through in terms of it's your QA process. It's however things have been managed to get things out of the door. You know, if there's been a rush to get group FaceTime out, for example, then maybe that's meant that... Um, that the the level of regression and testing that they might have been able to do was was rushed in some fashion. I don't know. It's, it's all you know, all speculation really. But
0: it's, no, it's you make a point. A, yeah, because if there's pressure from management or something, you never know. That could then have an impact on those working on the project, feeling a pressure to you know crack on and get it done, and maybe drop the ball somewhere. And yeah, it's hard to say. I suppose.
1: Yeah. But I wish wish them luck. You know, I hope the update that we get over this next week is, is going to be good and sorted. I, th- I think it's going to be tested as far as I can within an inch of its life, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I suppose Apple have had quite the week, really, when you think about it. So it's been, there's been this, and yeah. then there was that whole thing with the um, developer certificates with like Facebook and Google running those creepy VPNs. Yes, so <laughs> it's not been a good week <laughs> in terms of press.
1: Nah, kinda. I mean the the the, the um, enterprise developer certificate situation with Apple pulling them from Facebook and and then from Google a day later. Uh again, that's another one that it depends on which side of the fence you sit on. I've I've seen you know plenty of people sort of saying, and myself included, actually saying, yeah, good for Apple you know kick them out that's, that's not the way you're supposed to behave and it's not the terms and conditions of of having that um level of access and um and everything else you know if you or i uh, as solo developers were doing something like that we wouldn't just have had our um our certificates of the enterprise stuff revoked we would have had everything pulled out of the app store You know, if we're taking a step like that, it it would have just been the nuclear button, right? You would think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you know, Facebook or Google is too big for for Apple to to do that to them. And it would be too protracted, a kind of war of escalation as well, I'd imagine. So, yeah, it's a funny one because I've also seen people then arguing that um, Apple shouldn't have revoked anything you know if anything actually this is an example of where the walled garden is a bad thing because it means that people can't enter into situations with their own devices freely you know it's an argument to say well if I want to run something like that on my own device and get paid by Facebook for giving them that data well it's my device why can't I
0: yeah Uh, yeah uh, hmm (laughs) yeah (laughs) not sure how i feel about that um i don't know i think in a way yeah i suppose if you want to do that go and buy an android phone really i guess is my uh, my my kind of thought um yeah i think apple being one way and android being another in that way is quite good because it does cater to both people both types of people um but yeah i think at the end of the day it's apple's kind of property it's apple's you know you're you're buying into the apple ecosystem and if you're going to be a developer in that space you abide by their rules or you don't be a developer in that space and then the ecosystem will wither away and die if you know the the apps aren't there and yeah Yeah. so it's oh yes yes throw me a bit you're saying that actually i wasn't quite i hadn't really (laughs) thought of it in in those terms
1: um i've been kind of yeah mulling that one over since i first saw somebody sort of tweeting to the effect to be honest with you because yeah i feel a bit bit weird about figuring it out i mean on the one hand i pay for my device as a user it should be my device and i can kind of see the argument extending after a point of saying well yes it, it extends all the way through to through the app store really in that if i want to sideload something for example that should probably be my choice i can kind of see the argument there You know, if I pay for a computer, I don't ask permission for what I want to run on it. Uh, But on the developer side and having access to the distribution mechanism and everything else that Apple's providing there. Yeah, absolutely. I I can't really see an argument for Apple having to be any more flexible than than they aren't with that, if you get me.
0: Yeah, um, I, th- I think what you're saying about people having the right to run whatever they want—I st- <laughs> in the back of my mind, I kind of think that, in a way, given how recently through my work I've been basically dealing directly with the general public and their computers, I think you yeah. almost need to save some people from themselves because, like They don't—they <laughs> they don't have a clue. So, yeah, when when it, <laughs> it's almost like they're the people that could really do with going into the walled garden of apple where they can sort of not be at so much risk from themselves i would say um yeah, my relatives in ireland always uh always sum it up well they're quite good with all their little sayings they always say with them you give them a computer it's like giving a giving a gun to a monkey which I always, always <laughs> makes me laugh um, but
1: yeah and the ability to to hurt yourself as it were is is there isn't it when yeah he doesn't know what to do with the tech in their hand
0: yeah um,
1: yeah i i wonder with the way they went about this why on earth they needed to use that sort of distribution to get the info that they wanted after a point uh, um, just in terms of facebook's ability uh, in terms of, of spend and everything else is such that if they'd really, really wanted to, they could have had multiple smaller dev accounts running ad hoc builds to then get the information they wanted or using some other distribution mechanism. You know, you could use something like, for example, App Center to distribute ad hoc builds and still have people testing. You wouldn't have got the volume as easily. You would have had to have had multiple developer accounts and this will probably be the mechanism they do this by now if they really want to... To carry on doing that sort of testing, you know because at that point there's nothing stopping them from distributing whatever they like to end users. They can make the ad hoc build it can be running whatever it wants, and a distribution mechanism like fabric or like app center means that it's their profile that's being used to then add the the build to the device. They could go and do that. It's, it's, it's certainly not straightforward and they're going to add an extra step ahead of the um, of the user getting involved, but they could still do that.
0: I wonder, do you think at that point it becomes too complicated for sort of the average Joe to sign up to whatever Facebook wanted him to sign up for?
1: Yep. yep I guess that's and,
0: m- maybe part of it as well.
1: But again, they've got the money, they could just go hey, we're going to send you this iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> right you can you can run it for you know the next month or whatever um, and at the end of this this process or whatever the phone is yours they
0: could do mm-hmm.
1: that that could even well, have been the incentive
0: yeah, I mean they're paying like twenty dollars a month to these people, weren't they, so that to install this v p n and essentially yeah. route all of your internet traffic through Facebook. And I think they even insisted that you have to send a screenshot of your Amazon purchases once a month as well.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: I mean, it's just like they keep getting caught with this smoking gun. Yeah. But nothing happens. That's what I, they, I just cannot.
1: Happens.
0: I just cannot fathom it. I mean, you look at Cambridge Analytica. Yeah. You know that was horrendous, really. Like you look at what took place, and you know they came out and they apologized. and They ran some like you know press ads that were. Yeah, you know, we're really sorry, and nothing's changed. Everyone I know is still on Facebook. No one cares. No, um, nobody,
1: nobody cares. That is the the biggest problem with all of this. Uh and that's that's part of the reason why they just keep on doing what they do.
0: But when when will people start to care? Um, you know, that's that's what, I, what is going to be the point where like the average person is like, you know, what that is too much, and I'm out of here because I mean like. I'm trying to sell my iMac at the moment, and I'm using Facebook Marketplace to as one of the avenues in which I'm advertising it. Yep. But believe me, as soon as that iMac is gone, I'm out of there. Like, I, I just... That's I nearly did it. For. I nearly did it before, a few months ago. Um, But I thought, actually, I'm going to want to sell this iMac soon, so maybe I should just hang on for a little bit. But, yeah, I it's just that like every time they do something and it, there's there's the smoking gun it's right there and it's like yep. why did you do that facebook and it's like um we're really sorry and then wait a few months and it'll be something else
1: yeah they're just and, waiting for it to blow over each time and that in and in and of itself is enough reason for me to not want to deal with facebook at all
0: yeah i, I can you've got manage google it. doing the same thing
1: yeah, I know. I they know. came
0: out the same day saying, oh, we realize we're doing the same thing or something, and we're really sorry, and we've taken our, st- we've stopped doing it now. Which is right. basically code we'll for please, doing please don't take. Yeah, so please please don't take our enterprise certificate as well, please, because we've stopped yeah. already, so there's no need to take ours. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> like But then when your business models are that predicated on basically gobbling up data, I guess that kind of behavior is, is it inevitable? I don't know. Uh,
1: the push for it probably is, but it should come down to how the company's being managed. Like uh, I think this is part of the reason that that I'm so firmly in the Apple ecosystem is, is because this sort of stuff is to do with the way the companies as a whole are behaving and are being managed, and Apple's stance on privacy and that side of things is... From to my mind, the most positive out of any of the big tech companies, right? Um I mean, like, I, I can't argue that I think Apple are completely clean. I'm sure that, you know, if I knew absolutely everything about the way they behave, there would be something I would dislike, if not feel, you know, as as adamant I'm against as, as the way I am with Facebook and Google. There'll probably be something in there that I'm not happy with. Uh But out of all of the choices, it's miles ahead to be, with apple if you care about this stuff i think and with facebook and with google it is like you say it's it's predicated on the fact that they are companies who make their money through data and so yeah i think they're always going to try and play this this sort of game uh i mean one thing one thing with all of this is, is that like I say, there are other ways they could have done this. There are other ways they could have gone about this and still behaved within the um spirit of their developer license and so that kind of speaks to a greater level of of arrogance, if you like mm. that they that they didn't you know and I mean like like i say they they could easily have been like, "Hey, here's a free phone and sent out, sent it out um you know re Reboxed or whatever, with their build of Facebook running on it, and, and with it all set up to take ad hoc builds from somewhere, uh, they could have done that. It's a bit more expensive than twenty bucks a month, um, but they've still got the scale to to go about doing that, and they could still have run the cheaper one on Android. So the fact that they didn't choose to do other means of gathering this data also kind of speaks a bit about the way they're they're being run. You know, they want the volume of data, they want it as cheaply as possible, and they don't actually care about how they're going to go about getting it. I was going to say, like, like
0: the, what does it boil down to? Adverts. Yeah. Like, one of the most annoying, most rubbish things ever, adverts. <laughs> Nobody likes them. I mean, and we've got all of this going on, all of this, like, terrible behaviour for a stupid flipping advert, basically. That's, that's what I find difficult to kind of like rationalize the two. Yeah. Um, yeah, just profiling to show you better adverts or rather I say better adverts, adverts you're more likely to engage with. Yeah. I don't know. I just kind of look at it and be like, wow, is it really come to this kind of thing? Um, but yeah, yeah, the whole situation, it just kind of makes me feel a bit like, and then you look at the whole, um, how that maybe filters through to like the app store as well. Like you've got kind of you know, rubbishy games that constantly trying to nickel and dime you and put ads in front of you as well. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just wonder whether as a broad, broader kind of a broader kind of society level. People are just going to be like, you know what? we don't really want to do this anymore. And whether some kind of different model might, might take hold. It might
1: do. I'm trying to try to think what the best example for it could be, and I always kind of come back to TV. So if you think about the situation in the UK, is that you've got the BBC, which is no adverts in terms yep. of how how it's presented to people in the UK. BBC World Service is different, and they do advertise. And I now fully know this if I try and access anything from over here, and you do get adverts pop up um, on. Some of the the stuff that's outside of the u k but in the u k no adverts, and then, as I understand it from my parents as other channels were then allowed to broadcast and those channels were ad supported, that became a thing you know that like your your channel three channel four, and all the rest of it they they had adverts and and my mum even was against us watching children's t v on the other channels because you got adverts in the middle of them when we were growing up <laughs> right this is quite a thing uh but then you know time moves on and everybody gets used to having adverts in the middle of stuff and then after a point you've then we then had the introduction of stuff like um sky tv back in the 90s and and with that you know cable services as well and then you're you're paying a subscription for your viewing and it still has adverts in the middle of it because that's that's the model, right? The reason you're getting it at that price is because also you are, um, you've got adverts inserted in the media. And in a sense, TV kind of kept on trucking like that for quite a while. And I think the only thing that's really kind of broken that is services like Netflix in the last few years. You know, it's part of the appeal for me is that I boot Netflix up and I've got no adverts there.
0: Yeah, so yeah, no, you're right.
1: I wonder, you know, is that going to be be part of the uh, the thing? Does this this end up meaning that there's a market dynamic that could be explored in the other direction later on? And it becomes an idea of like, well, is this going to be for social media? Does it become paid feeds? Does it become a paid service that just doesn't have to behave in that fashion? I'm I'm not sure, but I, I do think that you know, present people with an alternative that gets rid of the things that irritates them, even if they're not consciously aware of it being an irritation. And I think you yeah. can bring people into it.
0: I'd love to know, like, what I earn Twitter every year from the ads that get inserted <laughs> into my feed. Yeah. L- like, what you know, bottom line, what, what actually ends up in their bank account because of me being a user? Yeah. And if it was something like, I don't know, $18? I'd happily pay twenty five a year to Twitter to like not have, you know, uh, no ads, chronological timeline, all that kind of stuff. It just seems like they're massively, I, I, potentially massively missing a trick. I don't know. Um, but then yep. I suppose you look at—I um, saw a, a thing in the week that Apple are potentially looking at doing a subscription gaming thing, subscription service for games on the App Store. Right. And just think. What, <laughs> made me think of it when you were saying about uh like the TV and adverts and moving to Netflix where you subscribe and then all the ads are gone. Well could that could that gaming subscription service from Apple maybe be something like that? Because you know you look at games at the minute, it's kind of like you get nickel and dimed everywhere and in some cases they're free and you get these horrible banner ads every all over the place and then between yeah. each round you get an ad and it's like maybe there is room for for a service like that where apple could curate a collection of really great games and you pay your subscription and they're all like kind of clean games there's no ads there's no like upsells there's no nothing it's just like here are some great games you'll never be bothered for like hey why don't you buy a coin or some seeds for your farm or whatever you, j- you just have the seeds because you've paid the subscription you know <laughs> um yeah i don't know something tells me that maybe there's maybe there's something there for that um could be cool for could be cool for developers as well.
1: That that side of it could be certainly with uh, with games. I, f- I would feel uneasy about it being a model for the App Store as a whole. I think you'd end up getting a load of other side effects. You know, in terms of like how devs end up getting paid. Yeah, I guess it's going to be a split of revenue from the subscription, and so I could see that working certainly for for games and maybe with one or two. You know, kind of gotchas or extras or whatever. Like, for example, you you get the base game, but it's still perfectly okay to have certain types of in-app purchase. Uh That might be part of it, you know. So if your game is popular enough, then you, you're going to potentially see revenue that way. Uh From a user perspective, I could see that being awesome. It's kind of like the idea of um, of some of the Xbox and PlayStation services, right? Except working th- for for mobile. So that that could be quite cool, and if you get it working, if you prove it in one fashion or another, there could actually be something there that could be extended outwards to other areas. I guess, you know, certain types of apps could potentially look at being being part of a subscription model. I feel uneasy about it because I think it could close the door for for developers again in terms of of being able to generate revenue in a a good way. But for games as a whole, yeah, I could see that working. And it'd be awesome to be able to say, don't worry, we've got a subscription to this service. I now don't need to worry about the kids kind of playing on their devices and having adverts every other second, you know, played at them. Because that's part of what happens. I see this as a parent. My kids find out about products and things simply by playing these games that have got the adverts inserted into them. Yeah, it's, it really makes me feel uneasy when we've taken conscious decisions to take adverts out of the other parts of their lives. You know, I mean, like they they don't they don't even watch YouTube without us kind of being aware of what they're watching at the moment, because they they're ending up watching things that they just just weren't suitable for them. But a byproduct of that is they don't come across adverts either because we don't have broadcast TV. So you know, as a parent, a service like that would appeal as well.
0: Yeah, that's a whole nother lens I'm starting to look at kind of life through. I like Charlie was playing some really simple game on the iPad earlier where he just basically pop balloons. Yep. So you know, keep in mind he's like stabbing at the screen to pop the balloons in you know, a kind of haphazard fashion. And there's like the biggest flipping ad banner down at the bottom of the screen that just appeared halfway through the game. And yep. you know, lo, lo and behold he taps it and then it loads up safari and takes him you know, it's like for goodness sake, you know. Uh I don't know, yeah. I, I, I'm feeling more and more sensitive to this, and kind of this, like you know, the, the behaviors from like Facebook and Google and everyone else when they're like, you know, try anything they'll do anything to get your data, and then all of the ads that we're seeing, and I, I don't know, I'm just feeling very uneasy about it all at the moment. But I think probably I'm I'm the exception, not the rule. I think most, I, I don't know, maybe most people just don't really care that much.
1: Well, it's it's. Um... It's just part of it all. I mean, in terms of, like, where where things are at there, if to get rid of Google, you're asking people to get rid of usually their email, and you're asking them to get rid of their primary means of searching. I mean, most people don't even know there are other search engines. I think, <laughs> you know, Google is just search. Uh, and then, yeah. you know, Gmail is your email. So what? how do you mean? How do I get a different email account you know like it's you're just asking people questions that they've never had to ask never had to consider and with with facebook it's even worse because you've got the sort of hotel california effect where everybody else is inside there so you know you can never leave kind of thing um yeah and that 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 gets tricky like you said before you know you have to use facebook in order to access the marketplace for local selling and i mean there are currently still other options as well but i imagine they're taking a hit the more popular that marketplace becomes and the same thing applies to events you know if you want to put on a a gig or, or any sort of general kind of community event or something the the first protocol is to have like a facebook event page for it for a lot of things so even if you're not choosing to kind of participate there's this whole other side of the the sort of social sphere around you that is getting cut off if you cut it off. Yeah. And then, yeah. It's, it's tricky. It's going to take something bigger. And, and I guess, uh, it's without knowing more about the ins and outs, I would kind of assume that one of the routes for this could end up being regulation. And so then I have to look and think, well, where's that going to come from? It's not going to happen in the U S it's probably unlikely to come from the UK. So I think it could easily end up being sort of a European thing that kind of kickstarts it a bit like GDPR. Yeah. Uh, It's kind of the only real hope I've, I've got for that side of stuff in the longer run is that maybe, you know, in order to operate inside of the EU with social media, you have to behave in a certain fashion, that there's actually a regulatory requirement there. Maybe that can help set the tone, you know, in the course of time for elsewhere. Uh, I, I don't know though if it's still super if it's super profitable to behave in the way they are doing which it must be then even with that I can't see it being given up I guess is the unfortunate side of that this is sort of cat and mouse all the time
0: <laughs> it's been a cheery end to the show isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll tune in again uh, next week folks <laughs> for the happy hour <laughs>
1: How do we how do we navigate this? Can we can we have another five minutes where we uh, pull it back?
0: <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah, that's well. It's just a subject matter, isn't it? It's like it is. Yeah, I, I feel I feel quite sad about kind of the current state of just the internet <laughs> and a lot of things at the moment. Um, oh, yeah, I think it's it a bit sad. of a reality.
1: It is. Uh, I mean, I was thinking in the course of talking about this, I remember when the internet was not dominated by advertising right i'm old enough to remember those days so when we first got the internet that was even with um with internet access in the uk being pushed by people like aol who eventually quite early on actually were doing adverts inside of their own browser uh we didn't use them uh where i was um in my household growing up but when I moved out, we ended up with AOL for a little while and I saw it. Um, so I remember what the, the kind of unsettled internet looked like, if you get me. And I kind of remember that the kind of creeping death of adverts sort of becoming more and more of a thing. And we got the internet in 97 and I think by, by 99 adverts were definitely much more of a thing. It didn't take long. Uh, but, yeah, I kind of remember that feeling of of seeing it kind of build up. And then it's always been this kind of like Faustian deal each time stuff comes along. You know, Google comes in and I don't actually remember being confronted by adverts um, early on with Google. And the way that they kind of inserted them into your search results and that sort of stuff is very, very much softly, softly. You know, in terms of like the progression of it all. You sort of go, okay, well, that's that's a, a sponsored search results or whatever. that's yeah, it's relevant, cool. You know, and that's, you see it as an end user and it's really, really softly, softly. But meanwhile, at the same time, behind all of this, you've got the data aggregation building up, right? Is that That's what is bubbling away. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's really odd. Kind of remembering what it was like and now seeing what things are like today, it does sort of make me feel like, I don't know, old man yelling at cloud sort of thing.
0: Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button, that will help us reach even more like-minded people. Um, also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFRPodcast and we'll get you signed up. So, Dave, before we run off, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at DW That's
1: Robohead spelt with a Z. And you can find my apps at roboheads.com. Again, that's Robohead spelt with a Z. How about you, Dave?
0: You can follow me online at DaveNot.co.uk or on Twitter, I'm at underscore Dave